what do you mean he's planning for the long term? Like he wants to have you around. He wants to have you around long term and spend intimate evenings with you long term and get to watch movies and take you to dinners and have the emotional comforts long term while he continues to fuck other people. I bet he does. I bet he does want that long term. Wow, look at us. Solo episode on Not For Everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Not For Everyone. And today you're listening to The Hater Hour, which is a solo episode hosted by me, your hater. And that is because our lover, Jess, is having a hell of a week. She's having a tough week, so this is what we're all going to do. We're all going to send Jess some nice DMs, some nice messages of love. Let her know how much brightness she brings into our world because she needs it this week. Um, I'm holding down the fort for today. And in the name of Jess's absence, I would like to say some of the ways that Jess inspires me. Some of the best things about Jess, um, I think Jess is like, this is something I'm working on personally right now. And Jess exemplifies it really well. Jess inspires me in how she, in her patience and her humility. And I, I've, I've thought recently about how in a lot of ways I would consider myself humble, which like, what a pompous thing to announce about yourself. I'm so fucking humble. Um, I think I thought of myself as humble because you know, uh, sometimes I think I sometimes I have really low confidence. Sometimes I think I'm not the best. I don't know if that's the same as humility, though, because a lot of my opinions, I think, are the best opinions. A lot of my ideas, I think, are the best ideas. And that's not really humility. And I have a hard time sometimes keeping my opinions to myself, if that hasn't become clear. It's fun on a podcast, more or less. It's not very fun in relationship with people. It's not very fun in friendships. And something clicked recently where I realized that I need to be showing and living a little more humility, a little more patience, especially in my friendships and in my family. And just as someone who kills this, she just kills it. Like, She is patient. She leaves room for other people to be idiots, for other people to interrupt her, speak over her, yell their loud opinions into the mic. She really exemplifies patience and humility, and those are two of the greatest qualities, I think. Something that really works for me when there's like a self-development goal I'm working on, I I like to have a mantra. Um just a short phrase that keys me into something when I need it in, in like in a hot, in a moment of high emotion, I like to have a mantra that can key me in and recenter me on the thing I'm trying to work on. And, um, if I come up with one of these mantras that feels helpful, I'll like write it on the top of my, my notes list in my phone, the top of my to-do list. Cause I'm looking at the to-do, to-do list like hundreds of times during the day. And so I'll see it. I'll get the reminder a bunch. And right now I have written up there humility and patience because I fucking struggle with it. 
and it, it was really helpful to me. I went home and visited my family. We had like a family birthday celebration. And um, I, uh, as much as I love my family, I, I think I do a lot for my family. I make a lot of efforts with my family. Most of the time I'm exhausted. It's, it's usually something family related. I live in a city with, you know, five of my family members very close by. We're pretty close. We're pretty involved in each other's lives. We're all fucking dramatic and aggressive as fuck. We're such aggressive people. And I do a lot for my family. But then when we're at a family dinner, I swear to God, I'm the one who messes things up most of the time. I snap at people. I can't keep my mouth closed. I'm trying to correct people and tell them what I think they're supposed to do, how I think they're supposed to behave. So that's not humility, right? Always correcting people just because you know better. That's not fucking humility. And I keep snapping, especially at my parents, you know, scolding them or telling them what they're supposed to do right. And guess what? They're 60 freaking three years old. The likelihood of them changing their ways, not likely at all, especially if they're not interested in changing their ways. They haven't expressed to me, oh, I'm trying to work on changing this behavior. They haven't expressed that to me. I think they're trying to double down on their behaviors, as far as I can tell. So me correcting them when they haven't asked for it, it's not going anywhere. It's just starting a fight. And there's some ugly behavior there that really irks me, but it's, it is kind of going to be there. And the only thing I'm doing is, like, making sure it blows up into a big fight. And so I've been using this mantra, like, right when my mom says something and I want to cut her off and I want to correct her. And I want to show her the light. This little voice in my head is just going, Caroline, humility and patience. And it's been doing a pretty effective job of shutting me the fuck up. So humility and patience, something I'm working on now because I struggle with it a lot. I don't think it's my strong suit. I think my friendships would benefit from more of it. I think my family relationships would benefit more from it. I'm sure my romantic really I think every relationship would probably benefit more if I was a little more humble and a little more patient and those are two things that I find annoying to do but just does them very well I think she's a great model and let's all send her a nice message that's my message of gratitude to Jess moving on moving on that's enough gratitude for the episode I have a question I have a problem actually this is immediately I need Jess here. I was thinking the other day, I don't know why I was thinking about the Jonas Brothers. The Jonas Brothers, the Brothers Three, right? There's three of them. The Jonas Three. Can you name all the Jonas Brothers? For sure, Jess would know. First of all, it's Nick, right? Nick's the hot one. Joe. Nick Jonas, Joe Jonas. I've been thinking about this for like two or three weeks and I refuse to look it up because I was like, for sure, the third Jonas brother is going to just come to me. I know. I know. Jeremy. Editor's note. It's Kevin. Is it Jeremy Jonas? Who is the third Jonas brother? Does anybody know? Does anybody know? I don't think there's any way to know. I've actually been thinking. I've been trying to think about the third Jonas brother's name. I've been thinking about this for several weeks and I refuse to look it up because I know this information is in my brain somewhere. 
Thomas? No. Thomas Jonas? I think it's it's not Jeremy. Jurgen. Nick, Joe, and Peter? Nick Jonas. Okay. The Jonas three. Nick Jonas, Joe Jonas, John Jonas. No, they're not all J names. Nick, Joe, and Todd. Nick, Joe. It's got to be a one syllable. Nick, Joe. They're all one syllable. Nick, Joe. Did, is there any way to know what the third Jonas brother is? Does anybody know? I wrote that down because I was going to ask Jess. If you're not following the podcast on Instagram, um, I would because that's where we get a lot of listener write-ins from you guys, hot take requests, topic recommendations, what to do. I posted something on Instagram asking you guys to write in with topic requests for this episode. I feel free to ignore them if I don't like the requests, but you guys wrote in with some good ones. I'm going to read through them live. Anyway, we're on, we're on Instagram, not for everyone pod with the number four, not for everyone pod. What do people write in? Someone just gave me their hot take, but I do agree with this. I'm just going to read it. For the record, you did not follow the directions of sending it in neutral style, but I do agree with this hot take. Um, someone wrote in pickleball is not a real sport. If tennis is chess, pickleball is not checkers. It's connect Four. hard agree. Love it. Love the analogy, metaphor, what's the difference? Love, cosine, yeah, I cannot be fucked to play pickleball. My mom's obsessed with pickleball, hoes be trying to get me to play pickleball, I don't care for it. It's just ping pong, but like less fun. I think it's just, pickleball is just, it's not a sport. Pickleball is just like an activity you can do and like eat at the same time and drink at the same time. Pickleball is more like, akin to um cornhole this isn't that fun you can't really swing the racket you don't get to smack anything no one's running around i don't like it can't be fucked no pickleball is not a sport it's totally not a sport and even as far as a game goes i don't it's not a good one kill it don't like it don't ask me to play pickleball with you (laughs) nobody will i don't have any friends no one's gonna ask me i'm not in danger of being asked to play pickleball however i am now starting to play squash because Justin got me into squash. We're learning squash together. Isn't that cute as hell? It's pretty cute. I think it's pretty fucking cute. Squash I like. Squash is like on the spectrum of pickleball to tennis. Squash is fairly in the middle. Which is probably offensive to professional squash players who would tell me that it is a sport. And it is a sport. But it's pretty easy to pick up. It's not like tennis where like if you suck at tennis, it's not so much fun. Squash, like you can suck. I suck. And it's still pretty fun. But ain't no fucking pickleball. No, get out of here. Someone wrote, how to find the bravery to make a big life change. It's vague. It's a vague question, so I guess it depends. But immediately from that phrasing, it makes me feel like you know what you need to do. Sounds like you know what you need to do and you're just scared to do it, which that, you know, we all find ourselves in that spot. To me, it's just like, The thing you're currently doing, the system you're currently doing, whether it's a relationship you're in, a job you're in, a habit you want to kick, a lifestyle change, a friendship dynamic, whatever it is, somewhere you you, want to move cities. The thing I think that's scary about making the big life change in any of those dynamics is the unknown, right? The unknown is super scary. And something that helps me in that moment is recentering on whatever I'm currently doing, the system I'm currently doing, I know that one's not working. 
there's certainty there. I know that this thing, this relationship, this job, this career, this friendship, I know this shit isn't working. Whatever else I might not know, but I know for sure this one's not working for me. If you're at the point where you're contemplating a big life change, we are resistant to change. I think humans will eat a lot of shit before they seriously consider making a big life change. It's kind of how we are. It's, it's, you're really, I think most people have to be pushed beyond their breaking point before they'll consider making a big and difficult life change. So if you're at that point, you know the system you're in is not working. The thing you're currently doing is not the one. It doesn't eliminate the fear of the unknown, but sometimes that does help me feel a little more excitement and curiosity about the unknown instead of just fear. Okay, I get the chance of doing something new. I get the chance of like even even encountering a new difficulty because that's the reality of like making a big life change or any life change. I really do feel that there is more or less an equilibrium of pain and struggles throughout life. You solve some problems, you kind of move on to the next ones. You overcome some obstacles or challenges, and you kind of move on to the next one. You make space for the next one. That's kind of how life is. So it's not that the next career is going to be the final perfect career. It's not that the next relationship will be the final perfect relationship necessarily. But if you're currently in a situation that is getting you down so severely that you are seriously contemplating a very scary life change, to even consider making a scary life change, your current situation has to be bad. It has to be not working for you, and you know it. So the truth is that making that life change, at the very worst, you'll probably just be like trading for a new difficulty. There will be new difficulties that come with it, for sure. There will be new benefits. It might be a huge leg up. It might be a huge improvement. And even just exchanging difficulties, exchanging problems, sometimes you're just craving a new problem to work on. I don't think that's so bad. If you're even considering doing this big life change that is super scary, to me that says you've been pushed to the limit. You probably know what you need. Somebody wrote in to me about open relationships. I think I got, if you, if you guys listened to the last episode, <laughs> I kind of let loose on my personal experience of open relationships. I think I got y'all riled up. Um, so if, if you didn't listen to episode 40, someone asked for a hot take on my hot take on open relationships, and I, I haven't been in one. Um, it's not for me, I guess. It's my personal preference. Um, and I don't necessarily have a hot take in so much as like, this is a preference for people, just a preference. So if you prefer it, cool. If you don't, cool. So I don't have a hot take to share. I shared that my observations were, in my experience, I have yet to encounter a couple where I felt like both parties are equally, equally on board with the open relationship. I feel, I, I know that the only open relationship couples I've encountered it's like one person super into it one person feels like they have to do it if they want to keep the person so that's what makes me feel not super sold on the concept have I examined all open relationships that exist no I have not do lots of monogamous relationships suck my butt yeah they do 
So, it, you know, it's not really a condemnation of it. I just don't um, think people talk about it in a way like open relationships are. Hold on. Let me just let me just say what this person wrote in about. Somebody wrote in just now saying, what to do. I live in an open relationship for one year now and would like to close it. I think that means they would like to no longer be in an open relationship. They want to close it up. But my boyfriend does not see us there yet, although he sees us long term. I'm willing to wait because I love him, but we seem to be more distant since I talked about it. Now I feel rejected, but he still plans long term for us. Okay, so they've been in an open relationship for about a year. She, who wrote in, doesn't want to be open relationship anymore, express this to the boyfriend, and he doesn't see them there anymore. But he does still see a long-term future. And since talking about it, she feels rejected and more distant. Okay. Yeah, so you know I'm about to yell. You know I'm about to yell a little bit. And this actually doesn't really have much to do with open relationships. (laughs) This has to do with a partner who doesn't seem to give a fuck what matters to you. This fucker, this dude, okay, I'm sorry, you love him. This beloved partner doesn't seem to care about what you need or what matters to you. What's cool about this guy to me, what I think is cool is how he knows he doesn't see us there yet. It's so cool to me how someone can know your needs, especially after you just told them your needs. And he says, no, that's not your need. This is our need. Let me tell you what our collective need is. We're not there yet. It's so cool to me because it sounds to me like you actually know what you need. Forget the conversation about open relationships. Say this because open relationship, say, say this was a conversation about texting preferences, right? I, I like to text during the, a lot during the day is something I would never say. That's something I would never fucking say. Um, I don't like to text a lot during the day. I will meet people in the middle <laughs> if that's what they need, though, because I want to give people what they need in a, in a friendship, in a romantic relationship. I make adjustments with certain people. I meet them halfway and they meet me halfway. We're both adjusting a little bit. It's a preference. Some people prefer to be in contact over text a lot. Some people prefer not to be. It's a preference. But if I went to my boyfriend, if I went to Justin and was like, I would really prefer to hear from you a bit more during the day. And he just said, no, we're not there yet. That is a dick thing to say. You're just going to tell me you're just going to completely shut down that need. You're not even going to entertain exploring it with me. You're not going to ask, well, why do you need to hear from me more? What does that mean to you? What is the thing that you're not getting? How does it feel for you when you don't get that? There's no exploration. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. Wow. Thank you for telling me how I feel. Thank you so much for speaking on my behalf. That's not a dialogue. It, this is, it's completely, almost completely irrelevant that this is about the open relationship thing. I think that makes it a little more intense. But on any preference, this dude is not in relationship with you. That's not what a relationship is. He's planning for the long term. Fucking is he? It doesn't seem like he's planning for today. What do you mean he's planning for the long term? Like he wants to have you around? He wants to have you around long term and spend intimate evenings with you long term and get to watch movies and take you to dinners and have the emotional comforts long term while he continues to fuck other people? I bet he does. 
I bet he does want that long term. But what do you mean he's planning for long term? I don't think he's planning for your needs long term. It doesn't seem like he's planning for your needs even today. Because you brought up something important to you today and he doesn't give a fuck. So what's he planning for long term? Because it's not your needs. And it's not how you feel. And it's not what you care about. And it's not about getting to know how you think about things and what your inner experience is in this relationship. He's not planning for that long term. He's not even planning for that in the current day. Maybe I need to calm down, but it, it pisses me off. I think there's something about this open relationship concept. Again, I'm not saying you can't do it. But I do think that you deserve to have a partner who cares to hear you out about what you need and how things are feeling for you in a relationship, whether it's about your texting preferences or whether it's about who you're having sex with. I think you deserve to be with a partner who cares to hear how you feel and why it matters to you. And I think there's something about the open relationship conversation that gets grouped together with like gender identity and gender politics and trans rights and um, you know, minority rights. It's like a bunch of things that are kind of grouped together as progressive topics, progressive conversation. They're in the zeitgeist now, and these things deserve to have more conversation around them and more attention given to them. But open relationship, having an open relationship, that's not a gender identity. It's not a human right. It's not a racial, like... <laughs> discrimination that's just a lifestyle preference uh wanting to be able to fuck a lot of people that's just a lifestyle preference okay <laughs> that's not like a human right <laughs> that you need to give this dude he's allowed to wanna have emotional intimacy with you and go out and fuck a lot of people but you're allowed to not want to do that that's just a preference and that's kind of what all of like what relationships are is like we all have a bunch of different preferences and some of them we know and can name when we go into a relationship and some of them you only figure out along the way and you have to keep communicating to them, them to the other person and hopefully hearing why is that your preference? Can I meet that preference? Is there a compromise? Is that a deal breaker? Is, some, is that something I can't deliver on? A lot of the preferences you only discover in relationship to somebody okay, I tried the open relationship thing and actually that's not my preference. I don't know you, but you seem like a really nice girl. I clicked on your profile. I don't know you at all. Listen to me right now. This is not as good as it gets for you. This is not as good as it's going to get for you. There's a lot more out there. And I know that feeling of being deep in a relationship, like you, you love this person. I'm not saying he's evil. <laughs> I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying I know anything about him. I don't think we have to villainize people in order to decide that they are not the right match for us and the life you want to live and the person you want to be and the vision you're building for yourself. We don't have to villainize this guy. It's not black or white. You don't have to villainize him in order to name that this mismatch of preferences is not building you the life you want. It's not building you the relationship you want. I, I have to assume it's, it's not making you feel like the person you want to feel like. I want to feel heard, listened to. I want my preferences to matter to my partner, even if they don't align, even if maybe he can't fulfill them all. I want him to care to learn about them, to entertain the conversation, and to see where we can match up. And sometimes your preferences don't match up, and sometimes it's a deal breaker. 
I know what it's like to get into a relationship, to feel that sunk cost, to be deep in emotionally, maybe monetarily, logistically, schedule-wise. You're intertwined. You've sewn yourselves together. But I think it, it sounds like it could be an important point to ask yourself, like, what are you getting from this relationship? Because it, it's definitely something. You're not staying it, in it for no reason. So, like, honestly, ask yourself, what are you getting from this? Because it doesn't, it, it sounds like there's a lot of things you're not getting from him right now. It doesn't sound like you're being heard. It doesn't sound like your needs are being cared for or respected in this arena. I'm sure intimacy is being affected. You said you're feeling more distant. You're feeling rejected. So what are the things that are keeping you in it? And is that enough? And you could talk to him about it and hope to like get to a better place together. That would be tough for me. It would be tough for me. It would be tough for me to trust someone. Um, after they've communicated that they so don't care about how their actions are making me feel. That would be tough. You know, see it through however you need to. I, I don't know what the details are. But be honest about what it is giving you and what it's not. There is so much more out there. This is not as good as it gets. I promise you. I had a humbling experience the other day. <laughs> I was, I've been trying to find some new professional support um, for mental health, for my mental health, for my thoughts. My thoughts have been weird recently. My thoughts have been pretty fucking weird and I don't love it. So I've been trying to find um, some talk therapy support, might be seeing a psychiatrist, support. And I had to call, I mean, it's just wild how hard it is to find professional support. I had to spend probably like five hours total straight calling different offices, calling different numbers, trying to get the approval, trying to get, you know, who's covered by insurance and who's available and who sees people in D.C. and what demographic and can I schedule an appointment? It was crazy. Like, God forbid I was in an actual acute mental health crisis. That would be pretty hard to handle the executive functioning of trying to find support for myself. Thank God I'm only like casual colloquial crazy. I'm not professional crazy. It is. It really is a shame how tough it was. It was pretty shameful. But I had this experience where I was calling. <laughs> I called um. I called to see, have an appointment with a psychiatrist and they had this whole, I got the secretary on the phone and they had this whole intake process over the phone where they had asked me a bunch of questions. It was like a little intake questionnaire and it made me feel, first of all, I called in because I was feeling so anxious I could barely function. And, um, and this questionnaire, uh, it didn't lift me up. It did not lift me up. It made me feel so pathetic. The questionnaire, you know, they're, I don't know why they're asking it. Maybe they're trying to categorize me. Maybe they're trying to place me with the right therapist or the right psych. Maybe they're trying to cover their boxes legally or trying to see how urgently they need to see me. I don't know why exactly they're asking questions. Probably a bunch of reasons. But it didn't make me feel great. They're like, you know, have you been hospitalized in the last two weeks? No, I haven't been hospitalized. I don't know. Do you want me to have been hospitalized? Like, would that make you? 
Would that make you take me more seriously? Would that be cooler for you? Will you see me sooner if I've been hospitalized? No, I haven't been hospitalized. Well, have you even had any suicidal thoughts? No, no, no. No, I haven't had suicidal thoughts or ideation. No, not. No, I'm just. No, I haven't had any of that, I guess. Okay. Well, have you had any violent outbursts? No, I'm just. I mean, no, I can't say I've had any violent outbursts. Okay, well, have you stayed awake for three or more consecutive days without rest? Um, no, I've still pretty much been sleeping. Like, not a ton, but, like, pretty normal-ish style. Okay, well, have you heard any voices that you suspect might not be real? No, I'm not hallucinating. I'm not hearing voices. I'm not having manic episodes. I haven't been hospitalized. I'm just feeling kind of nervous. <laughs> I'm just feeling kind of nervous. Like, no, I'm just like a little anxious. It was so humiliating. <laughs> I know this was not their goal. I know this was not their goal, but I called <laughs> In a crisis where I was feeling so low and worthless and anxious. And I thought everyone in my life was going to leave me. All of my friends, all of my siblings, <laughs> everyone I care about. And then the secretary at the mental health support office was just like, I felt like the subjects I was hearing is they were like, wow, you're not even good at being mentally ill. Were you nervous a lot? Yeah, I am nervous. I am nervous, and I'm going to take the appointment because I deserve to have help. Uh, so if you feel the same, <laughs> I want to get support because if I don't, I'm going to start blowing up my friendships. I'm going to start blowing up my family relationships. I'm going to start blowing up my romantic relationship. I'm going to start deteriorating my career and deteriorating my work and deteriorating myself physically, mentally. That is why I want to get support. Because I am not going to wait until I blow up all of my relationships to decide that I need to do something about it. That's why I'm going to get some support, and so should you. But fuck that intake, secretary. I did not like that. If your goal was to make me feel like a piece of dirt, mission accomplished. But I'm still coming in, so joke's on you. And you have extra work to do on me now because you beat me down so low. Joke's on you, dude. What else? Someone wrote in, shall I casually ask out my hot hair? Wait, no, I got to read that again. Shall I casually ask my hot hairstylist out? He's single. Finally, lol. Um, honestly, yeah, do it. What? Life is short. Do it. If it's not um, like abusing a power dynamic somehow, I don't think he should be asking you out. That's probably not appropriate. But... For that reason, even more so, I think you should ask him out, right? He probably can't ask you out. It's not quite appropriate. It wouldn't be the end of the world. Ask him out, dude. He might say no. As long as you are comfortable with the fact that he might say no, and either you may feel like you want to find a new hairstylist or you're going to keep seeing the hairstylist and you're fine with the fact that he said no, yeah. Totally. Why not? Yeah, life is short. 
it's fun to be like, I asked out my hot hairstylist. And also maybe he rejected me. Ha ha ha. Isn't that funny? I think that stuff is kind of funny. I really do think that when stuff like something embarrassing happens to me, I get rejected. Something goes badly. Like, look at that, like, full and colorful life moment I got to have. I've done some weird things in my life. I've done some weird things. I've had a lot of careers. I've done some risky shit. I've gotten myself into some strange situations. I've also had some great situations, some great careers, some experiences a lot of people never get to have. I just, I don't know. It feels fun to collect. Like, to me, that is one of my um, values is having, like, a, a full and textured, colorful bouquet of a life with lots of different flower events <laughs> in it. I want a full and textured, varied, colorful life. Lots of different colors, lots of different vibes, lots of weird things I tried. That's really fun. I think that's really fun. And it totally involves sometimes getting rejected, often getting humiliated. Hello. I don't know. It's kind of fun. I say do it. How to have a good relationship with parents. Um, lol, I, I don't know. If someone figures this out, let me know. I did mention earlier a mantra that I've started trying to like electrocute myself with in those weird parent moments is this phrase of humility and patience. It's super hard for me. Uh, so I'm not trying to be preachy about it. I'm sharing it because it's something that is helping me improve a lot. Keeping that as a mantra in my back pocket in those tough moments. I think it's particularly helpful. It could be helpful with a lot of parents because I know a lot of people are. It's my impulse. I, I have this impulse. I want to teach my parents. I want to point out their wrongdoing, point out how they're making themselves unhappy, point out how they're making the family unhappy, show them the error of their ways. But it turns out that it's really hard to change people, especially 60 uh, year old people. The rate of change is slower than ever. It, it's really hard for me to change myself, and I'm working on myself. I'm fully consenting to the mission of trying to change myself i'm fully on board and it's hard let alone someone who's like not really invested in changing themselves not really sold on the idea yet so humility and patience humility to remind myself i actually don't know what's best for everybody i don't know necessarily how best to make this a peaceful family dinner i don't know what they need even though i think i do a little bit of humility there and a little bit of patience, like this stupid ass thing they're about to say to me, this stupid fucking comment they're about to make at dinner. I guess I'm just going to let them say it. It is so annoying to me. It is the most annoying. And actually, I think it's rude or gross or insulting to somebody. And every time I try to correct them on it, it just makes a bigger fight. I'm going to have the patience to just let this moment ride out and we'll move on to the next moment. I think there's a big pitfall in trying to teach um, certain people, people who don't want to be taught, basically, how to have a good relationship with parents. Something that I've started doing recently, my parents are together, but I, I found it can be helpful to treat them sometimes like they're divorced. And I have started doing solo dates. I'll do like solo dates with my dad, solo dates with my mom, and we all live in the same city. So 
that's feasible in person. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot more time than knocking the visit out altogether, but you get a different dynamic. So whether it's the phone calls or I don't know, is it harder interacting with your parents when they're together? Is it a little bit easier when they're separate and you have a one-on-one separate dynamic that has helped me? And another thing is identifying, this applies to like all relationships, but identifying what setting or what activity can this relationship, uh, is this relationship the most tolerable in? So it is not tolerable. It is not tolerable to have my mom just in my home with me. I don't like that. She's not fucking coming over for lunch. I don't like that. Something about it's weird. I don't, I cannot tolerate. I do not allow. Driving in the car with my dad, not my preference. I'm it not unless I'm in the mood for an hour long monologue to lecture. The same lecture he's given me a hundred times before the same lecture I heard for a year straight when he was driving me to coding school in the mornings. I don't need to hear the same lecture about traffic and the same lecture about asking the right questions and the same at lecture about wherever you go there. Like I've heard it, dad heard the lecture. Don't need the monologue. Driving the car. No, I'm not driving in the car with you, dude. Somewhere that it does work with both my parents going to a nice wine garden where there's jazz, some jazz playing, not too loud, or they're going to complain the whole time. Not too loud. A little bit of of ambiance, a little bit of culture, a little bit of wine. Light culture. An enclosed area. Not too many people. That's a place where our relationship can be positive. And it's good. And they behave well, and I behave well. So I think finding, you know, it can apply to friends too. Like, I care about this person, but they're not my best friend. We only connect like 60%. I don't want to cut them out of my life, but like, I hate doing these lunches all the time. Maybe that's the person where it's like, it's always great when you get manicures together. Maybe this is just the friendship where we get manicures together and that's kind of all we do. And that's the happy bubble. That's the happy place. And that works and ain't ever going to catch you at a luncheon. Ain't ever going to watch a movie with you. Ain't never going out to get drinks with you. We can get manicures and that's our happy place. And that's where this relationship works. I think it's a nice thing. Think about that with your parents. You get manicures with your dad. Could be nice. Could be sweet. Could be cute. Something weird is happening in my family right now. Something fucking weird is happening in my family. Where also somebody commented on YouTube that I say everything twice. I want to do it right now. I want to say that I say everything twice. Somebody commented that I say everything twice and now I can't unhear it. I actually do do that. I never noticed that before. I don't know what it is, but sometimes I'm going to try not to do it now that I'm thinking about it. But I think I, I, I don't know what it is. Somebody said that I comment, I say everything twice. Anyhow, something weird is happening in my family right now where, uh, my family, we're all like, we're all pretty much like me. We're all pretty aggressive. (laughs) Um, somewhat mouthy, opinionated people. Pretty direct, pretty confrontational. A lot of loud opinions. Not, not a drop of humility among us. <laughs> That's not true. But, you know, we're all kind of like this. And right now, we have in our family group text, everyone's being like really sweet. Kind of like saccharine sweet. Like a little too sweet. 
and supportive and like cheerleadery. It's been going on for like a couple months now and it's kind of weirding me out. It's not that we aren't, we're super supportive of each other, but we're not saccharine sweet. I don't know what's happening. We're all being like super lovey and like all, all of us kids all have birthdays within like a month of each other. So we've just been in birthday season. I call it Winkler birthday season. We've been in birthday season, you know, we're texting like pictures of each other and happy birthday and birthday messages and organizing for birthday dinner. And like everyone being so sweet to each other. It's like a little much. It's kind of creeping me out. I'm doing it too. I'm doing it too. And it's not, I've always kind of judged families that did that. Like in past relationships when I was kind of included in people's family texts and it was all just like super supportive and like, you get him girl, you got this. And I'm sending a picture of me during my day and like, that's awesome. You look great. I was always like, this is fucking weird. Why are you talking like this? First of all, I know half you guys hate each other. You don't speak to each other like this in person. Why are you doing it over text? This is weird shit. Something's and it's happening in my family right now. And I actually think my family's in a good place right now. I think we're all generally treating each other pretty well in person. But it's carrying over to text and I don't know if I like that. It's creeping me out. I want to say it's a little weird. So that's my what to do. What to do when uh, everyone, what to do, this is my, I'm going to put a what to do out to the people. What to do when all of your family is kind of creeping you out because they're, they're being weird and nice over text. And you're like, this is not the family I know and love and fight with. Why are you guys doing this? The fuck? Kevin. Kevin Jonas, Kevin Jonas, holy shit, Kevin Jonas, oh god, the backup Jonas, Kevin Jonas, I had to Google it, Kevin Jonas, I have a complaint, obviously, this is really annoying to me, this is really annoying to me, and I know that a few minutes ago I was talking about humility, but that was then and this is now and I do not feel like humble about what I'm about to say. I'm not open to other points of view. I'm correct. What I'm about to say is correct. What I'm about to say is correct. It is so annoying to me when people, ugh, people do this all the time. When they're, people see a, a guy, a man who is like, sweet and goofy and animated and charismatic or maybe has like a playful quality to him or like he's funny and they're like man he will be a great father this is such an inane comment to me it's weird it's fucking women doing this and i just want to be like what the fuck do you think being a dad is you think being a dad is just like being a clown? You think being a good father is just like playing with kids? No, that's that's babysitting. What you're describing is like, is he an entertainer? Maybe he's like funny with kids. That's not what being a good father is. It is so annoying to me. It feels so superficial and vapid. And when people say it, I'm like, I hope that's the fucking co-parent you get stuck with. I hope you are cursed with a co-parent father who's just like funny and entertaining to children. You think that's a good dad? What? That is so, how stupid are you? A good dad, I would think a good dad is someone who's like reliable, consistent, patient, someone who's a good partner 
to his co-parent, someone who's supportive, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have anything to fucking do with whether you're funny and charismatic. Do you know how many fucking funny, charismatic, entertaining, would be a good clown at a kid's party, would be fun at the kid's pool party dudes, would be a terrible fucking father if they're not supportive to you, if they're not committed, if they're not present, present, patient. This is such a huge annoyance to me. I think it's so fucking weird. I think it's so annoying and so weird and so vapid that people conflate. It's like they're conflating uh, good babysitting with good parenting. These aren't the same thing. And I think it makes me mad because I've watched so many mothers go unsupported by their male partners that when I then see more women perpetuating this weird fucking kink myth of like that funny entertaining guy who like plays with the kids well would be a good father. I'm like, what the fuck do you think makes a good father? That's not the same fucking thing. I was watching an Instagram reel. Of course, this came from an Instagram reel last night. I finished work at like midnight rewarded myself with some time on an Instagram reel because I was like, how can I get myself depressed rapidly before I go to bed? Let's open Instagram. And um, and it was a reel. First of all, why was this on my feed? It was some stupid ass reel of this girl who was lip syncing to a song from High School Musical. She's lip syncing to High School Musical. We're soaring, flying, and then on a star in heaven. That one, right? I don't know what the song is called. She's lip syncing to High School Musical and the caption of the video, she's like testing my boyfriend to see if he's husband material. First of all, you're annoying. Shoot you dead. That is annoying. Yes, I will watch it, though. I will watch the reel. So she's singing. She like her boyfriend comes into the apartment and she's standing there, you know, lip syncing into her spatula as a microphone singing. Soaring. Fly, etc. To see his reaction. First of all, the whole thing is obviously staged. This is a couple looking for attention. It very much seems staged. But the boyfriend is like, oh, shocked. She's singing a romantic song to him in this hilarious dramatics. And then he grabs the spatula out of her hand and he continues singing the song. And he does a silly dance and a flip and he goes all in and he's performing and he's silly, goofy boy. Uh, all of this is pretty annoying. He does like a little animated funny dance. And the top comment on the video is some lady who comments. Marry him. He'll be a great dad. Literally. I wish you could see how mad I was alone in my bed at 1 a.m. last night screaming at my phone. Where are you getting this? Where are you getting this data from this footage of a man dancing that he is going to be a good dad? You're an idiot. What do you think makes a good dad? I hate this superficial judgment of like, if he's goofy and entertaining and he can play with a child for 10 to 15 minutes, he's a good dad. It really does get me going. Because this is like a very personal topic to me. Having witnessed, I think I've shared on the podcast, I spent about 
10 years of my life. Ugh. Yeah, about 10 years of my life in childcare. Um, my Instagram handle, people always ask all the time, the good sitter. I didn't have Instagram for a while. And then I literally just opened like an Instagram account because I wanted to share stupid content while babysitting. I wanted to make it the bad sitter, but I was like, that's too on the nose. So I made it the good sitter. You know, a little mystique. We've got to keep a little mystique. And um, I just had all this, like, I thought it was very hilarious babysitting content. And I've just kept it since. I'm not a babysitter anymore, but I'm not changing it. No one can make me change it. Started taking care of kids as a live-in nanny when was, I, I was au-pairing. Then continued to do it in addition to waitressing, bartending, etc. while I was acting in New York. Took care of kids for about 10 years. Intimately integrated into people's families. Into their homes. Watching parents fight with each other watching them whisper their discussions of trying to figure out co-parenting in the back room watching their kids have meltdowns watching a mom trip over a toy while holding her infant and fall and like hitting the infant's head and how they deal with this situation like emergencies crises everyday moments it's it was a very it was a fascinating education and i didn't know that's what i was getting into at the time but it was a fascinating education to get 10 years of all these different families, all different kinds of dynamics, getting to watch their home life, getting to watch all these different versions of co-parenting. And it, it was just really upsetting to watch over and over, even in debatably the most progressive city in, on earth, New York City, some of the most progressive, cutting-edge, family-valued, equality-for-all, co-parenting, well-intentioned, good people. It was really upsetting to see how much of it still falls on the mom. And I, I, I also babysat for um, same-sex couples, but I'm talking about heterosexual couples here because the dynamic was really upsetting to me. So it's something that I think about a lot. And why, why am I even on this tangent? This isn't a parenting podcast, but it really matters to me. I think about it a lot. And I wish that I actually wish that people had like the education, the exposure that I got to have by accident of getting to witness all these different parenting styles. And let me tell you, being a goofy dad, being an entertaining dude is not what makes a good father. Being a charismatic dude at the pool party is not what makes a good father. It's like, are you guys supporting each other? Can you share things? Can you be proactive? You know, do I have to delegate to you in order for you to do things for the kids? Or can you figure shit out on your own? It drives me crazy. Marry him. He'll be a great dad. Literally, this is a video of a man singing to High School Musical. What the fuck are you doing? What is this fucking weird, uh, like, Urban myth you're propelling about what fatherhood involves and how to choose a partner. That is so annoying to me. I find it irresponsible and I find it stupid. I find it stupid. Okay? I think it's stupid. Okay, that took a weird turn that I did not expect it to take. And I know a lot of the listeners to this podcast are younger, maybe not looking to make a boy a father right now. But I think it's important to know. I think it's important to call out. I don't like these bullshit gesturing. You know, whatever. Who cares? 
I have a more important complaint, which is fashion related. This is so crazy to me, which, which is the topic of a bell sleeve. I don't know how bell sleeves are continuing to exist. How are y'all getting shit done in a bell sleeve? How are you getting anything done in a bell sleeve, a shirt with a bell sleeve? If I see someone in a bell sleeve, I can only assume that you are unemployed. There is no way. There is no way you have a job. You cannot have responsibilities in a bell sleeve. There's no way you can fulfill responsibilities in a bell sleeve. Absolutely not. I actually own one shirt and I really like it from, where's it called? Reformation. It's kind of an expensive sweater shirt thing too. And when I ordered it, I didn't realize it had a bell sleeve. That thing, I put it on aspirationally sometimes. And then I'm like, oh, I got to do work at my computer. No, you can't. No, you can't. These sleeves are all over the place. Oh, I got to. I got to walk around my apartment. Don't let me catch you rounding a corner in a bell sleeve. It's getting caught on anything. You're getting caught on nicks in the wall. You didn't even know were there. Don't ever round a corner in a bell sleeve. Don't try to pick up anything. You lose your whole hand. I, I, I can't understand who this is serving. I can only assume bell sleeves are designed either by the unemployed or by the armless. There's nothing about it that serves me. Nothing about this shirt style makes my life easier. I would say bell sleeves are like the clothing equivalent of the bracelet. This is hanky-panky. This is chaos. I have to get stuff done. Do you, guys not have a, do you guys not have jobs? I have to get stuff done today. I still can't bring myself to get rid of my bell sleeve shirt. It's so nice. It's so nice. Maybe I could get someone to hem it down. Put a little cinch on the end. I, I can't live in a bell sleeve, basically. I have to make a confession. Um, something has been happening with me and my dishwasher recently. Oh, God. I've been using these, like, whatever dishwasher pods in my dishwasher as the detergent. And it's, they're leaving, like, a lot of residue on my dishes. They've been leaving a lot of residue for a while. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I got, I bought like cheap ones. I don't know. I got, I got to look into that. I have to figure out what's been happening. <laughs> and then the other day, Justin came over, my boyfriend came over and he was loading the dishwasher for me because he's considerate as all get out. He was loading the dishwasher and he was like, hey, where is your dish detergent? I was like, oh, it's right under the sink. This bag right here, it's right under the sink. And he looked at me and he was like, I was afraid that's what you're going to say. I was like, what? He was like, look at that bag. That is not a bag of dish detergent pods. Those are Tide Pods. Those are laundry pods. It's for your washing machine. He was like, are you tell, I thought it was weird that you were keeping laundry machine Tide Pods in your kitchen, but I chose to ignore it. But you are, you are telling me right now that you have been doing your dishes with laundry detergent. Is that what you're telling me? I couldn't even look at him. I couldn't even look at him. I had no idea. 
I had no idea. All I knew is that my dishes weren't coming out that clean. I've been doing this. Okay. I know I've been doing this for at least a couple months. I'm a little worried that I've been washing my dishes with laundry detergent for a year and a half. Because I've never had... I don't think I've lived with a dishwasher before. And I don't know. They package the Cascade and the Tide Pods very similarly at CBS. And they're on the same shelf, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he laughed pretty hard. He told me I was a domestic goddess. And then he went out and he bought me some Cascade Pods. It was very nice of him. That was a tough blow. Talk about humility. This is why I'm trying to work on my humility because moments like that are going to continue to happen. I was going to continue to wash my my dishes with laundry detergent probably forever if someone didn't come into my home and stop me. That's why it's important to be humble. I think that's all I got for today. This has been not for everyone. I'm really missing Jess today. She needed the week off. I hope everyone can send her some nice messages, a little bit of love. If you want to um, contribute to these episodes and send in your own hot takes, what to do's, topic requests, you got to follow Not For Everyone Pod on Instagram. It's Not For Everyone Pod with the number four. You can follow Jess, Jay Z DeBakey on Instagram. Don't follow me on Instagram. Instagram's so annoying. You can follow me on YouTube, Caroline Winkler. I have to go. <laughs> That's it. I got to go. Appreciate you guys. And I'll see you next week. Somebody wrote in. What? What is this? Somebody wrote in. What to do. Dick lips. And then a kissy face emoji. What are dick lips? want to do dick lips is this a typo are you saying duck lips like plastic surgery to duck lips and also how is this a what to do are you saying you have them what to do about them i don't i don't really know how to guide you with this i i resent this typo use them use them use them to your advantage use them use them take them you know ride them as far as you can i'd say either way with either typo Milk them for all they're worth.